Section 7 of the Book of Ghosts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by The Gypsy. The Book of Ghosts by Sabine Baring Gould. Section 7. The Mother of Pansies. Anna Voss of Siebenstein was the prettiest girl in her village. Never was she absent from a fair or a dance. No one ever saw her abroad anything but merry. If she had her fits of bad temper, she kept them for her mother in the secrecy of the house. Her voice was like that of the lark, and her smile like the May morning. She had plenty of suitors, for she was possessed of what a young peasant desires more in a wife than beauty, and that is money. But of all the young men who hovered about her and sought her favor, none was destined to win it save Joseph Arler, the ranger, a man in a government position whose duty was to watch the frontier against smugglers and to keep an eye on the game against poachers. The eve of the marriage had come. One thing weighed on the pleasure-loving mind of Anna. She dreaded becoming a mother of a family which would keep her at home and occupy her from morn to eve in attendance on her children and break the sweetness of her sleep at night. So she visited an old hag named Shondelwain, who was a reputed witch, and to whom she had confided her trouble. The old woman said that she had looked into the mirror of destiny before Anna arrived, and that she had seen that Providence had ordained that Anna should have seven children, three girls and four boys, and that one of the latter was destined to be a priest. But Mother Shondelwain had great powers. She could set at naught the determinations of Providence and she gave to Anna seven pips, very much like apple pips, which she placed in a coronet of paper, and she bade her cast these one by one into the mill-race, and as each went over the mill-wheel it ceased to have a future, and in each pip was a child's soul. So Anna put money in Mother Shondelwain's hand and departed, and when it was growing dusk she stole to the wooden bridge over the mill-stream and dropped in one pip after another. As each fell into the water, she heard a little sigh. But when it came to casting in the last of the seven, she felt a sudden qualm, a battle in her soul. However, she threw it in, and then, overcome by an impulse of remorse, threw herself into the stream to recover it, and as she did so, she uttered a cry. But the water was dark, the floating pip was small, she could not see it, and the current was rapidly carrying her to the mill-wheel, when the miller ran out and rescued her. On the following morning she had completely recovered her spirit, and laughingly told her bridesmaid how that in the dusk, in crossing the wooden bridge, her foot had slipped, she had fallen into the stream, and had nearly drowned. And then, added she, if I really had been drowned, what would Joseph have done? The married life of Anna was not unhappy. It could hardly be that in association with so genial, kind, and simple a man as Joseph. But it was not altogether the ideal happiness anticipated by both. Joseph had to be much away from home, sometimes for days and nights together, and Anna found it very tedious to be alone. And Joseph might have calculated on a more considerate wife. After a hard day of climbing and chasing in the mountains, he might have expected that she would have a good hot supper ready for him. But Anna set before him whatever came to hand and cost least trouble. A healthy appetite is the best of sauces, she remarked. Moreover, the nature of his avocation, scrambling up rocks and breaking through an undergrowth of brambles and thorns, produced rents and fraying of stockings and cloth garments. 
instead of cheerfully undertaking the repairs anna grumbled over each rent and put out his garments to be mended by others it was only when repair was urgent that she consented to undertake it herself and then it was done with sulky looks muttered reproaches and was executed so badly that it had to be done over again and by a hired workwoman but joseph's nature was so amiable and he was so fond of his pretty wife that he bore with those defects and turned off her murmurs with a joke or sealed her pouting lips with a kiss there was one thing about joseph that anna could not relish whenever he came into the village he was surrounded besieged by the children hardly had he turned the corner into the square before it was known that he was there and the little ones burst out of their parents houses broke from their sister nurse's arms to scamper up to joseph and to jump about him for joseph somehow always had nuts or almonds or sweets in his pockets and for these he made the children leap or catch or scramble or sometimes beg by putting a sweet on a boy's nose and bidding him hold it there till he said catch joseph had one particular favorite among all this crew and that was a little lame boy with a white pinched face who hobbled about on crutches him joseph would single out take him on his knee seat himself on the steps of the village cross or of the churchyard and tell him stories of his adventures of the habits of the beasts of the forest anna looking out of her window could see all this and see how before joseph set the poor cripple down the child would throw its arms round his neck and kiss him then joseph would come home with his swinging step and joyous face anna resented that his first attention should be given to the children regarding it as her due and she often showed her displeasure by the chill of her reception of her husband she did not reproach him in set words but she did not run to meet him jump into his arms and respond to his warm kisses once he did venture on a mild expostulation anerl why do you not knit my socks or stocking legs home-made is heart-made it is a pity to spend money on buying what is poor stuff when those made by you would not only last on my calves and feet but warm the cockles of my heart to which she replied testily it is you who set the example of throwing money away on sweet things for those pestilent little village brats one evening anna heard an unusual hubbub in the square shouts and laughter not of children alone but of women and men as well and the next moment into the house burst joseph very red carrying a cradle on his head what is this fooling for asked anna turning crimson an experiment anerl dearest answered joseph setting down the cradle i have heard it said that a wife who rocks an empty cradle soon rocks a baby into it so i have bought this and brought it to you rock 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 and when i see a little rosebud in it among the snowy linen i shall cry for joy never before had anna known how dull and dead life could be in an empty house when she had lived with her mother that mother had made her do much of the necessary work of the house now there was not much to be done and there was no one to exercise compulsion if anna ran out and visited her neighbors they proved to be disinclined for a gossip during the day they had to scrub and bake and cook and in the evening they had their husbands and children with them and did not relish the intrusion of a neighbor the days were weary days and anna had not the energy or the love of work to prompt her to occupy herself more than was absolutely necessary consequently the house was not kept scrupulously clean the glass and the pewter and the saucepans did not shine the window-panes were dull the house linen was unhemmed one evening joseph sat in a meditative mood over the fire looking into the red embers 
and what was unusual with him he did not speak anna was inclined to take umbrage at this when all at once he looked round at her with his bright pleasant smile and said anna i've been thinking one thing is wanted to make us supremely happy a baby in the house it has not pleased god to send us one so i propose that we both go on pilgrimage to maria hill to ask for one go yourself i want no baby here retorted anna a few days after this like a thunderbolt out of a clear sky came the great affliction on anna of her husband's death joseph had been found shot in the mountains he was quite dead the bullet had pierced his heart he was brought home borne on green fir boughs interlaced by four fellow jaegers and they carried him into his house he had in all probability met his death at the hands of smugglers with a cry of horror and grief anna threw herself on joseph's body and kissed his pale lips now only did she realize how deeply all along she had loved him now that she had lost him joseph was laid in his coffin preparatory to the internment on the morrow a crucifix and two candles stood at his head on a little table covered with a white cloth on a stool at his feet was a bowl containing holy water and a sprig of rue a neighbor had volunteered to keep company with anna during the night but she had impatiently without speaking repelled the offer she would spend the last night that he was above ground alone with her dead alone with her thoughts and what were those thoughts now she remembered how indifferent she had been to his wishes how careless of his comfort how little she had valued his love had appreciated his cheerfulness his kindness his forbearance his equable temper now she recalled studied coldness on her part sharp words mortifying gestures outbursts of unreasoning and unreasonable petulance now she recalled joseph scattering nuts among the children addressing kind words to old crones giving wholesome advice to giddy youths she remembered now the little endearments shown to her the presents brought her from the fair the efforts made to cheer her with his pleasant stories and quaint jokes she heard again his cheerful voice as he strove to interest her in his adventures of the chase as she thus sat silent numbed by her sorrow in the faint light cast by the two candles with the shadow of the coffin lying black on the floor at her feet she heard a stumping without then a hand was laid on the latch the door was timidly opened and in upon his crutches came the crippled boy he looked wistfully at her but she made no sign and then he hobbled to the coffin and burst into tears and stooped and kissed the brow of his dead friend leaning on his crutches he took his rosary and said the prayers for the rest of her and his joseph's soul then shuffled awkwardly to the foot dipped the spray of rue and sprinkled the dead with the blessed water next moment the ungainly creature was stumping forth but after he had passed through the door he turned looked once more toward the dead put his hand to his lips and wafted to it his final farewell anna now took her beads and tried to pray but her prayers would not leave her lips they were choked and driven back by the thoughts which crowded up and bewildered her the chain fell from her fingers upon her lap lay there neglected and then slipped to the floor how the time passed she knew not neither did she care the clock ticked and she heard it not the hours sounded and she regarded them not till in at her ear and through her brain came clear the call of the wooden cuckoo announcing midnight her eyes had been closed now suddenly she was roused and they opened and saw that all was changed the coffin was gone 
but by her instead was the cradle that years ago joseph had brought home and which she had chopped up for firewood and now in that cradle lay a babe asleep and with her foot she rocked it and found a strange comfort in so doing she was conscious of no sense of surprise only a great welling up of joy in her heart presently she heard a feeble whimper and saw a stirring in the cradle little hands were put forth gropingly then she stooped and lifted the child to her lap and clasped it to her heart oh how lovely was that tiny creature oh how sweet in her ears its appealing cry as she held it to her bosom the warm hands touched her throat and the little lips were pressed to her bosom she pressed it to her she had entered a new world a world of love and light and beauty and happiness unspeakable oh the babe the babe the babe she laughed and cried and cried and laughed and sobbed for very exuberance of joy it brought warmth to her heart it made every vein tingle it ingrained her brain with pride it was hers her own her very own she could have been content to spend an eternity thus with that little one close close to her heart then as suddenly all faded away the child in her arms was gone as a shadow her tears congealed her heart was cramped and a voice spoke within her it is not because you would not you cast the soul away and it went over the mill-wheel wild with terror uttering a despairing cry she started up straining her arms after the lost child and grasping nothing she looked about her the light of the candles flickered over the face of her dead joseph and tick 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 went the clock she could endure this no more she opened the door to leave the room and stepped into the outer chamber and cast herself into a chair and lo it was no more night the sun the red evening sun shone in at the window and on the sill were pots of pinks and mignonette that filled the air with fragrance and there at her side stood a little girl with shining fair hair and the evening sun was on it like the glory about a saint the child raised its large blue eyes to her pure innocent eyes and said mother may i say my catechism and prayers before i go to bed then anna answered and said oh my darling my dearest barbchen all the catechism is comprehended in this love god fear god always do what is your duty do his will and do not seek your own pleasure and ease and this will give you peace 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 the little girl knelt and laid her golden head on her folded hands upon anna's knee and began god bless dear father and mother and all my dear brothers and sisters instantly a sharp pang as a knife went through the heart of anna and she cried thou hast no father and no mother and no brothers and no sisters for thou art not because i would not have thee i cast away thy soul and it went over the mill-wheel the cuckoo called one the child had vanished but the door was thrown open and in the doorway stood a young couple one a youth with fair hair and the down of a moustache on his lip and oh in face so like to the dead joseph he held by the hand a girl in a black bodice and with white sleeves looking modestly on the ground at once anna knew what this signified it was her son florian come to announce that he was engaged and to ask his mother's sanction then said the young man as he came forward leading the girl mother 
sweetest mother, this is Susie, the baker's daughter, and child of your old dear friend Roni. We love one another. We have loved since we were little children together at school, and did our lessons out of one book, sitting on one bench. And mother, the bakehouse is to be passed on to me and to Susie, and I shall bake for all the parish. The good Jesus fed the multitude, distributing the loaves through the hands of his apostles, and I shall be his minister, feeding his people here. Mother, give us your blessing. Then Florian and the girl knelt to Anna, and with tears of happiness in her eyes she raised her hands over them. But ere she could touch them, all had vanished. The room was dark, and a voice spake within her. There is no Florian. There would have been, but you would not. You cast his soul into the water, and it passed away forever over the mill-wheel. In an agony of terror, Anna sprang from her seat. She could not endure the room. The air stifled her. Her brain was on fire. She rushed to the back door that opened on the kitchen garden, where grew the pot-herbs and cabbages for use, tended by Joseph when he returned from his work in the mountains. End of Section 7 Recording by the Gypsy.